Welcome to Osteo, that's with a capital T-E-A, where Osteo warriors in treatment and recent survivors spill the tea on all things osteosarcoma and cancer from the adolescent and young adult patient perspective. Listen in on our honest and personal conversations about our osteo experiences and stories and who knows what else. This podcast discusses all aspects of the young adult cancer patient experience in a conversational format. Audience discretion is advised. Like and follow MIB Agents on social media for all the hot goss and intel. We are still living it up and soaking in all of the amazing energy factor. I wasn't able to make it, but Jillian was. Jillian, what was it like for you? It was really awesome because it was my first factor. Um, I'd heard about it before from Ali Tommy will say, but then I this was my first opportunity to go. So my parents went to and it was really exciting. They had like so many things for like um for the teenagers and young adults and um for the little kids too. And attending the panels was like really cool too, even though I didn't really understand that much of it. Yeah, really great experience. Yeah, so make sure to save the date for Factor 2024 in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, that's June 20th to 22nd, 2024. Thankfully, that's a little bit more closer than me than Georgia. <laughs> and MIB is launching Healing Hearts for Siblings with new sessions starting in the fall, led by grief counselor Lori Kraus, which is actually our guest today. These workshops are free of charge to all bereaved siblings. Siblings of osteoangels who are at least 13 years old can sign up by completing a short form by clicking the register for Healing Hearts on mibagents.org under the Bereaved Families and Healing Hearts tab. Please contact Isabel Wolf with any questions at isabel at mibagents.org. A symbol of sarcoma awareness, the bright and cheery sunflower reminds us to always have hope. This July, support our Seeds of Hope campaign during Sarcoma Awareness With the $5 donation, you'll receive a packet of sunflower seeds to grow and plant at home or you can gift it to an osteo warrior in treatment. You can also um, support our campaign through ordering your own Seeds of Hope t-shirt. Um, visit mibagents.org forward slash um, store to show your support today. Well, welcome back everyone to Osteo. I'm your host, Camille. And today with us, we have wonderful guest host and panelist, Jillian. Jillian, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, I'm Jillian Okimoto. I live in New York City, and I was diagnosed with osteosarcoma back in December of 2017. I finished treatment in August of 2018. Um, I also did a distraction osteogenesis procedure, which grew my bone rather than getting it amputated or knee replacement. Um, in addition, I am almost five years cancer-free, which is really cool. Amazing. Thanks. Yeah. And of course, today we have our guest expert, Lori Krauss. Do you want to introduce yourself? Thanks so much for having me today. Um, I am the MIB Agents Bereavement uh, Support Group Facilitator. And I also was at Factor and held a workshop for the bereaved parents the, the last day. And it's been an honor and a privilege to, to work with MIB and to support the families who have lost their children to osteosarcoma. And it's an honor to be here today to talk about our topic. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much for being here. Um, and to kick it off, I'm going to start with our favorite segment, What's the Tea? No, like literally. 
where we share what we're drinking today. It is like 90 degrees here in Massachusetts, um, so I don't know why I made hot tea, um, but I recently got this nice herbal tea. It's blueberry lavender, which is like really interesting. I'm a big fan of lavender, um, so definitely recommend. I'm not going to drink it because it's like piping hot. Not here to uh, burn my mouth, but and of course, in my Stanley cup, um, I've been on a raspberry lime Ricky kick. I don't know if that's a Massachusetts thing, but it's like lime seltzer, raspberry syrup, little squeeze of lime in there. It's so good. It's so addicting. So sounds refreshing. <laughs> it is. Yeah, that sounds really good. <laughs> I have to give it a 10 out of 10. <laughs> um, Jillian, what are you drinking? Okay, so I'm not at home right now. I'm in Pittsburgh, so I have this. <laughs> it's really kind of <laughs> pathetic in comparison to your drinks, but I have a vanilla chai with a lot of milk, a little bit of sugar. Um, I'd give it a solid six out of ten. It's a little bit cold right now because I added a little bit too much milk. But yeah, it's pretty good. I'm a big fan of chai, so. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and Laurie, what are you drinking? Well, I'm drinking ginger turmeric tea, which is, I'm not a tea lover, but I love ginger uh, turmeric tea. And I am drinking it out of a mug that my husband made me. And he is the least creative person. <laughs> and so he made this so that I could drink my daily coffee. But today it's ginger turmeric tea and love it they should taste it again and i give it an eight nice all right well today we are covering survivor's guilt which when i was preparing this episode i was like this is gonna be a heavy one an intense one um you know going through osteosarcoma myself i've been fighting for 10 years um you kind of you know it, when you're diagnosed you are pretty much guaranteed to feel some sort of level of survivor's guilt um so we have questions from our audience today um to ask our wonderful guest Lori. Um, so our first one is, can you explain exactly what survivor's guilt is, what the typical presentation looks like um, for an individual experiencing it? Sure. So survivor's guilt is when a person has feelings of guilt about surviving a life-threatening condition when other people did not, um, and especially when it's a loved one who didn't survive. You know, some people have survivor's guilt just from an accident happening or something traumatic, um, and they just feel guilty um, from that. But it's um, a little bit more personal and a little bit deeper when you lose somebody who you care deeply for. <laughs> and people who live with survivor's guilt often experience this guilty or remorseful feeling about surviving when their loved one didn't. Um, these feelings can really show up in a cycle or like a repetitive loop. And um, we can get kind of stuck in that thinking. Um, you might struggle to turn your thoughts to anything else but the survivor's guilt. 
It can show up um, in anxiety, inability to sleep, uh, nightmares, feeling unworthy. Um, it's different for everybody, but those are kind of some common themes I would say people experience. Okay, so Lori, um, how has survivor's guilt developed from like an evolutionary standpoint? Is there or any insight into that? I mean, I think survivor's guilt is has definitely been an experience uh, since the beginning of time, right? It's it's an emotion, it's a feeling that comes up, and there's definitely all different kinds of survival. There's survival of um, catastrophic um, fires, uh, floods, um, you know, uh, concentration camps, you know, there's like these very big, broad, worldly things that have happened that people can feel guilt over surviving. And then all the way to the person who loses a family member, a best friend. Um, and I think that the way it shows up is similar for everybody, no matter, you know, whether it was 20 years ago, 50 years ago, the evolution of, of feelings and, and, uh, grief and loss um, have always been with us. I think we're just really in a time right now where we're starting to open up more about how we feel with guilt, um, with grief, um, feelings in general, but especially around loss. And so I'm I'm grateful to be living today and supporting people today where it is more acceptable to start talking about your feelings which helps us normalize our feelings and feel less isolated and alone. For sure. Um, So how does survivor's guilt show up um, differently in different people? Um, Like, for example, an osteosarcoma patient um, or survivor losing an osteosarcoma friend, um, for parents, um, family members, et cetera. Yeah, you know, it it shows up different for everybody, and I think it definitely can show up different based on your relationship to the person who is deceased. Um, For example, a parent who loses a child might have survivor's guilt that it should have been them. They've lived longer, they're older, they've experienced life. It's an out-of-order death, and so um, their experience is obviously different from a fa- another family member or a friend or a, an acquaintance, um, a sibling might feel like, um, you know, why my sibling and not me? They were smarter than me. They were, you know, had more to offer the world than me. Um, different types of feelings can come up and and comparing. I think a lot of that is comparing our, our self-worth and um, why why I'm not worth being here and somebody else was worth being here. Uh, and I imagine, and and maybe you want to speak into this, because I imagine you've lost friends to osteosarcoma. Um, I, I imagine that's a completely different experience because you have the shared experience of being diagnosed, of going through treatments, of going through surgeries, um, living with that fear of, is it going to be me next? Am I going to survive this? And why did my friend not survive it versus me? Um, so, 
you know, I don't know if you want to speak into that at all, how it's shown up for you differently than maybe for a parent or a sibling or a teacher or an acquaintance. Yeah, for sure. I think Jillian and I can definitely speak to that. Um, you know, when you were speaking, I was just like, everything you are saying is something I have experienced. Um, and I feel like you putting words to it is so validating um, because it can feel isolating. Like this isn't something that is talked about. And that's, you know, why we have osteo is to spread awareness and start talking about things that, you know, go unsaid. Um, so, yeah, I've been fighting for 10 years. I've had a lot of friends um, with osteosarcoma. Um, I was really close with one of my friends. Um and she unfortunately passed away in 2017. Um, and that was incredibly, incredibly hard. Um, and survivor's guilt definitely kicked in. Um, you know, we had been on some of the same treatments. Um, we had seen the same doctors. We, you know, would visit each other. We were um, long distance friends. So she would come and see me. I would come and see her. Um, so it's it's very hard, um, uh, you know, forming relationships with um, other osteosarcoma patients because you never know what their situation is going to be. You can never predict what their osteosarcoma is like and what their timeline looks like, what their treatment process looks like. So it's it's there's pros and cons to having friends um with with cancer um but for me survivor's guilt um it comes and goes uh it can definitely get more intense um and show up in different ways um even now um i'm dealing with my uh eighth relapse and at the beginning uh i'm I was like, I'm not going to make make it through this. Um, and we were kind of scrambling for treatment options. Um, but I'm almost done with my chemotherapy. I have three cycles left and it's working and the tumors are shrinking. And it's I've been getting this very strange feeling of like, why is it working for me and why isn't it working for my other friends or for my friend who passed away or just in general, like people I don't even know, but hear about. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of ways that survivor's guilt shows up for me. Um, Jillian, do you want to speak to um, that at all? Yeah, um, I had two friends that I met during treatment that I was like got pretty close to. Um, yeah, one of them was like in the hospital with me, so we would often be roommates. Actually, I remember like we would always watch Harry Potter together because. There would always be Harry Potter reruns on like the hospital TVs. And um, one of them was from my dad's hometown. So it's actually this crazy coincidence. My uncle was friends with one of her teachers. And they connected the two of us. Um, so through that, like I was able to like, see them decently often. Um, I finished treatment like um, a month or so before. Um, the friend from the hospital and then after that we kind of lost touch and i've always i think what really contributed it to like the feelings of guilt was that like 
I didn't really try super hard to keep in touch, but like it was difficult for me to like try and reconnect with these people after I had finished and they didn't. Um, I visited the hospital like a year or two later. I asked my doctor, who was also her doctor, how she was doing. And it turns out she decided that when the treatment stopped working as much, she wasn't going to try for other methods. She was just going to enjoy life. So she passed away. My other friend passed away recently, um, too, so that's been pretty difficult. Um, so yeah, so since I finished treatment, like that's always been like a, a tough thing to overcome. Like, I think another thing is that um, I still have like most of my limb function, but especially after meeting like a bunch of amputees and knee replacements and other forms of treatment, like. I eventually after enough PT I'll be able to like regain much of like the abilities that I lost before treatment like running and jumping but I know a lot of people who survived or didn't survive that will never be able to do that so. um, but I did start going to uh, psychotherapy so. um, that's been like a big help like in the past year or two so I think when you mentioned Lori earlier like talking through these emotions and like sharing them with a trusted person that's been really, really helpful. So glad to hear that. Um, I I want to commend both of you on your bravery um, to talk about this. You know, it's a really tough subject. And like you said, a lot of people don't know how to talk about it, don't feel like they can talk about it, don't want to hurt somebody else's feelings by talking about it. And um it's really, really important to remember that um, survivors' guilt is um, deserves to be acknowledged and understand that it is very common to experience. It's extremely normal uh, and a normal response to um, surviving when somebody didn't. So um, it's really important that you acknowledge that that's how you're feeling and knowing that it's a common and normal response, right? So knowing that can um, just help integrate it into your process of healing. Um, and it isn't, I, I know there's a stigma around grief in general, so I'll lump it in with grief and survivor's guilt that, you know, we need to get over it. We need to find a way to get over our grief or to get over our survivor's guilt. And I just want to share that it isn't something to get over because that's dismissing your feelings and your feelings are valid and true because that is how you're feeling. And we don't get over it. We learn to live with it. We learn to integrate it into who we are and we learn hopefully uh, coping practices that can soften and lessen the overwhelming feelings of grief or survivor's guilt or anger or resentment or the myriad of feelings that come up. Um, so I just really want to say that and really have it be heard that we don't learn to get over it. We learn to carry it. We learn to soften it. And we learn to integrate it into a part of who we are and not define who we are. Exactly. I think 
you know, it's very easy to get like dragged in to the intense feeling and dragged out of um, living life, like, you know, being with friends, hobbies, stuff like that. And I think it is important, like you were saying, um, to figure out ways and coping skills to move forward while holding the survivor's guilt or the grief or whatever feelings you're going through. Um, And I guess that leads into my next question for you. What are some um, effective ways to cope with survivor's guilt, um, like therapy, coping skills, stuff like that? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, a couple things, reminding yourself that you can handle the loss and the grief and the overwhelming emotions associated with death. Um, We're afraid of them and we don't want to lean into them and we feel like we're going to crack or we're going to die, no pun intended, of, you know, feeling those things. But we can all handle those feelings when they're acknowledged and normalized and shared in a safe space um, and understand that that is full living and full feeling, right? Life is not black and white. Feelings are not black and white. And so it's really important to remind ourselves that, you know, we can carry this. We can integrate this into our life experience and not let it destroy us, right? Or prevent us from moving forward or prevent us from living life. Um, And so sometimes it's um, creating maybe a self-care routine or ritual. Um, I like to say coping skills um, are something we learn and then coping practices is it's putting those skills into practice because we can hear about a skill or learn about a skill but if we just know about it and we don't actually use it it's not going to help us um and reminding people that it it's a practice which means it takes doing it over and over and over again and practicing it before it can really stick and be effective um, so, you know, self-care can mean many different things, but in the very uh, least, especially in fresh grief or fresh survivor guilt, um, getting sure, making sure you get enough sleep, making sure that you eat well, making sure that you are moving your body, because when we're moving our body, we're also moving our energy and moving our thoughts. Um, finding soothing or relaxing activities that keep our nervous system calm, keep us grounded. Um, One self-care practice is self-love, which I think everyone in the world needs to learn a little bit more about. Um, We often judge ourselves and shame ourselves and uh, get stuck in those unhealthy thought processes and that is true with survivor's guilt as well, right? Like, why why, why not me? Well, if you don't have a lot of self-love, you would easily say, why not me, right? This, you're putting more value on somebody else's life than you are your own. And so really taking a look at self-love and self-value is super important. 
in changing that narrative of, well, I don't deserve to be here, but they do. Well, no, we all deserve to be here. We all are meaningful, loving, caring people who make a difference in the world. And your life is just as meaningful and important as somebody else's. So it's not a, a this or that and either or them or me. Um, having support is really crucial in uh, grief healing and survivors guilt, guilt coping. Um, so speaking with others who have a shared experience is one of the best uh, support systems there are, right? And I'm sure you know that from having other friends with osteo they're the ones who get it better than anybody else and so uh really being vulnerable and sharing with others who have shared experiences help because you don't feel alone you don't feel isolated you you know you're like oh this is normal they feel it too right we're all kind of feeling the same things and then you can kind of relax into sharing what those feelings are and that's a beautiful way to help and to feel um supported and to heal um if you don't have people with shared experiences speaking to a trusted mentor or a spiritual counselor or a therapist that can help us feel acknowledged and heard and understood um, if you're really, really stuck in the ruminating and unhealthy behaviors that can come with grief and survivor's guilt, then I would definitely advise um, engaging with experts who specialize in PTSD, um, who do maybe hypnotherapy or EMDR therapy. Um, so, you know, being really aware of, am I, is this normal or is this um preventing me from living is it preventing me from thinking about anything else and kind of really having that check-in of what coping skills and what support can be helpful and if those things aren't helping or you're not engaging in those really seeking um, professional help because nobody should carry that alone all right for sure another coping skill that um, can be really helpful is finding um, ways to honor the person that's lost. Um, that gives you a sense of uh, connection and um, purpose and is a good healthy way to live um, in relationship with that person moving forward. So a lot of people um, don't want to think about the loved one that they lost because it's too painful. But really what we find is um, thinking about them, sharing in their memories, sharing in their stories, sharing in their purpose, sharing um, what they gave to the world while they were here is a really good way to stay connected to them and feel good that they might not be here physically, but their memories and their presence and their energy and their stories um, will continue on into the future. So really finding uh, ways of honoring them and keeping them alive today and in the future um, is also can be helpful. Yeah. Definitely things I all I've done all of those things and I can say um, it's definitely helpful um, talking with professionals um going back to basics if you need it or if this is fresh like just basic self-care am i 
am I getting out of the house every day? Am I showering? Am I brushing my teeth? Um, am I eating properly? Am I sleeping properly? Really going back to basics um, helps me a lot. Um, and also, um, you were talking about self-love. Um, I love Kristen Neff, I believe her name is. Um, she's big on self-compassion. Um, I, I, I've done something called a self-compassion journal where you basically write out what you're going through um, and you connect it to common humanity. Um, you, um, you know, explain how anyone w could feel like this, how this is a normal experience. Um, and then you kind of give some validation to yourself, like, I, I'm going through this, but I can do X, Y, and Z to get through this. I'm strong enough and all of that. So those are some of my um, favorite coping skills. Yeah. Jill, do you have any you'd like to share? Yeah, something you mentioned, like honoring the person that passed away. I think that personally has been a really big help. I mentioned um, therapy earlier, but um my, my the friend that i knew from my dad's hometown is ali tamiose who served on the mib and she was like yeah um she had a really big presence within mib and um i think like joining now has been like um it's been difficult in some ways but i think like also starting to give back more to the community i think that's been a really big help for me it took me a long time um but thinking like this is what maybe you would have wanted like i think that's been yeah because mib was like a thing she really loved and she loved factor too so i would really just want to help her like push that yeah I, i'd love to also add that um it's really important to not judge yourself or to compare yourself with how others seem to be doing. Um, that's very common to do um, and can really keep us stuck and in that judging shameful space instead of that self-loving space. And I always share with people who are in grief, especially in fresh grief, um, if there's ever a time to have grace for yourself, it is now. And really just, you're doing the best that you can do right now. That may change, that may shift next in the next hour, in the next day, in the next six months. But you're doing the best you can with what you know, with what you have, with the support, the coping skills, awareness. You're doing the best you can. And that it's going to shift and change. You won't day exactly where you are right now with your grief or your guilt that it's going to um, ebb and flow right and I think you said it earlier that uh, you know sometimes it it's harder and sometimes it's easier and sometimes it hits me and sometimes it's you know dormant but it's always there and so really understanding that it's going to ebb and flow and shift and change um, and you are where you're at and not to judge where you are versus where you might want to be or where you see somebody else because everybody's process is different everybody's experience is different 
everybody's coping practices are different. Support systems are different. Self-talk is different. Self-love is different. Um, So I always try to share, don't compare yourself to others and don't judge thyself. That is such an important thing to remind yourself of constantly. Definitely. Yeah. So definitely need to hold some space, hold that uh, feeling that, you know, you never, you never know what anyone's going through and where you are, where you are right now is 100% valid and 100% fine. And, you know, you deserve uh, to be wherever you're at. Um, But with that, I think we'll move on to our next segment, which um, are some stories um, about survivor's guilt from our audience. Um, And so we'll we'll read them out and we'll kind of talk about them and give our comments on them. So uh, our first submission is um, says, I definitely had survivor's guilt post-treatment and then decided that guilt is an appropriate feeling when you've done something wrong. Surviving is not wrong. I renamed survivor's guilt survivor's purpose and to help others through osteosarcoma. And I think this is such a wise way of putting it. And um, I'm sure that this was not an easy um, reframe of the feeling. Um, But I love this perspective. I'm going to use this perspective. Um, yeah, I, I I love this. Yeah, I really like Survivor's Purpose. Like, especially for me, who's like trying to start giving back, I think it's definitely a good guideline. But obviously no one should ever feel pressured to like, I don't know, become a doctor and like, cure cancer. But I think it's definitely a good way of looking at it rather than feeling like surviving is wrong. I think it's brilliant because um, it's so true, right? Guilt. What? When do we normally feel guilty? We feel guilty if we told a little white lie or if we did something wrong. And living, surviving is not wrong. It just is. It's not wrong. And so I love this reframe. I think it's beautifully, beautifully said and shared. No. Okay, so the next submission says, um, so I was diagnosed a little over four years ago now when I was 18, and I've been NED ever since I finished chemo, but I still have an immense amount of grief from the whole experience. I still feel grief from the parts of myself that I feel I've lost, parts of my younger self that still feel afraid and hurt from it all, and everyone I tell this to doesn't understand because it was, quote unquote, so long ago. And they don't realize that the feelings around the diagnosis isn't an experience that just goes away when you're NED. It's been a struggle to heal those parts of myself, but I'm working on it by giving myself grace day by day and allowing myself to heal, however overwhelming and complicated it might be. And they have a little um, emoticon heart. Love <laughs> so that really speaks into what we brought up earlier of it doesn't go away. It's not something to get over. And grief is is an experience um, that stays with us. 
right? Really forever. I, I tell I tell my clients that a lot, the people that I work with, you know, please don't expect your grief to go away. And they all look at me like, <laughs> it's like, that's why I'm here to get through this. <laughs> yeah. But, but if somebody were to tell you that from the beginning, right, don't expect it to go away. Just know that it's going to change and shift and your relationship with it will be different and it won't be as intense or as overwhelming as it might be right now. Um, I think that it it's it's an important thing to hear and to kind of accept like, okay, it's not going to go away. Great. Then how do I learn to live with it? And what do I expect from it? And what can I expect might happen in the first three months or six months or several years or 20 years from now? Or when another loss happens and triggers some of those previous losses that maybe were dormant or not as intense, but they become intense again, right? When we're reminded of it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, people are grieving losses, especially with terminal illness, with cancer. You're, you're, the losses that, the living losses that you are experiencing and caring are tremendous. And there's many of them. And, um, and it's hard to process them all at once. It would be impossible to feel and process them all at once. Exactly. Yeah. It takes time. And I think um, another thing I want to highlight is um, kind of feeling invalidated by others, like saying the, that this was so long ago. Um, it takes it takes time. It takes a lot, a lot of time. And um, others that are not in the cancer world, like say like friends from school or co-workers or anything like that they're not in this world which I'm so happy for them that they they don't understand it but still it sucks it sucks that you know you kind of want to live a normal life live a cancer-free life um you know strip away that um identity of a patient but it's still this stuff still lingers and you still have to carry it and go back into the real world and then deal with people that are invalidating to your experience. So I think really focusing on self-validation is um, something that has helped me um, through this. And yeah, it doesn't it doesn't just go away overnight. It's something that um, ebbs and flows for sure. Yeah, People don't validate your experiences uh, all the time. Even well-meaning people who love you and care about you, right? It's because um, we're kind of, I, I always say we're a death-phobic and grief-illiterate culture. And so one of the things I'm really passionate about is educating people on grief. Because grief is very misunderstood and people don't know how to sit with it and they don't know that it doesn't need to be fixed. And sometimes the person doesn't need to feel better in this moment. They just need permission to feel exactly what they're feeling right now. 
And by wanting to make them feel better or distracted is not only dismissive of, of your feelings, but it teaches you that you're not allowed to have your feelings and it's not safe to share those feelings with most people. Right. Um, Jillian, did you want did you want to add anything to that? Yeah. Um, part of what I like could relate to from the submission is that like feeling guilt for like the past self of you. Because like um I'm sure a lot of you have, like osteosarcoma patients could relate to this, like that feeling with like the abilities like physically um, in particular that you've lost. And also like the things you missed out because of treatment or surgery is like that's a whole thing like years or months or whatever like that's a lot to miss out on like so feeling that grief for your younger self past self that's yeah it's tough but yeah like what you guys said like it's not that grief doesn't go away but it's good to learn how to live with it yeah yeah um our next submission says i'm an osteo mom to my son he is 14 and was diagnosed when he was 13 it's metastatic. Before this, he was a healthy, thriving athlete. I've noticed that I am dealing with guilt that I am quote-unquote healthy and he is not. I feel guilty when I exercise, guilty that I can go for a run. He's an amputee. So I punish myself by not exercising. I know it sounds dumb. I'm working through it. I'm healthy and he's not and it makes me sad. I wish it was me and not him. That's where I'm at right now. I think this is this is heavy you know, deep in the throes of it, um, with the punish the punishing yourself. Um this this is a lot, Lori. I'd love to hear what your thoughts on this one. Well, first of all, I really want to acknowledge the the woman who wrote this that she ended it with this is where I'm at right now. I think that was a beautiful acknowledgement for herself that this, like today, right now, this is where I'm at. And um, I think that was really important um, to for her to be able to acknowledge that it, it might not be like this tomorrow, but this is where I'm at right now. And she is in the thick of it with all the emotions, uh, the guilt, the punishment, the, you know, not knowing how to navigate, right? It's like you're feeling all the overwhelming things and feelings and being kind of stuck and not knowing how to navigate all of that. So the first step is what she did is she wrote in about her experience, which is really brave and courageous to get it out of here, right, and move it out. So writing about it, speaking about it is one of the first steps to learn how to process it and navigate it is, you know, I'm getting it out of my head, I'm getting out of my heart, and I'm acknowledging it, right? That's such an important first step because we can't, um, we can't make change or transformation without awareness. So she's actually in a healthy space, even though it doesn't feel like it, because she's very aware and she's acknowledging what this experience is like for her right now and i hope over time that she can start to have a different relationship with some of those feelings and instead of feeling 
guilty about being healthy and being able to exercise, find a way to feel gratitude for being healthy and able to exercise. And that, um, of course, she wishes her son could do those things too. But just because somebody else can't doesn't mean that we shouldn't. And that she wants to be healthy for her son and for all the other people in her life that she cares about and cares about her. So I'm hoping for her that as she continues to heal and process and get support, that she can move through some of that um, stuckness and find new ways and new relationships with those feelings. But I honor exactly what she said. This is where she is, and it's a lot. And talking about it, processing it, finding some coping skills, talking with a supportive person or a group, all the things that we've been talking about here, I hope that she can engage in some of those things so that she doesn't have to feel that overwhelmed and stuck for too long. Yeah, I totally agree with you 100%. Yeah, I agree too. And just like, um, applause to this woman for like, well, for first, like being able to share this with us and also like having that mindset where you mentioned is where I'm right now, but knowing that you can grow from it is really big. Yeah, it's a really big step. And also, like that she mentioned, like it's um he's 14 now and he was only 13 when he was diagnosed. Like that first like year, two years, give or take, is like that's like one of the worst parts. So kudos for to, for making it through all that. Sorry, Camille, I think I cut you off there. Oh no, no, no! You're good. You're good. <laughs> I just, I was agreeing with you a hundred percent, you know, that those first years of diagnosis, it's, it's hard. You're stepping into an unfamiliar territory, um, especially, I mean, my family is kind of in the medical field, but if, if you're not like being thrown into that is so overwhelming and, you know, getting all of this new vocabulary and like just all of the all of the things that we um, know in the cancer community that others don't, um, it it is heavy. But um, I love that she's saying that's where I'm at right now, um, because that could change. Um, you know, it has the potential to change and shift and ebb and flow, just like we've all been talking about. Um, so yeah. Then Julianne. Okay, so the next, oh, sorry. Um, next submission um, says, I'm 47 and was diagnosed with osteosarcoma of right distal femur when I was 12. Survivor's guilt kicked in when one of my favorite aunts passed away from cancer when I was 21. The question of her and why her and not me. Um, um, she was a mom and a teacher, and she, um, I'm still here, no kids, not a wife, no career. And no purpose, yet I'm still here. From that day, every time someone passes away, I always find a reason why they should be here too or be here instead of me. I'm grateful to be alive, but basically my purpose for the purpose of not making my loved ones sad that I'm not here. This one's also pretty heavy. I hear a, a lack of 
self-love, a lack of believing that there's purpose in their life and meaning in their life. Um, I hear somebody who is only glad and grateful that they're here because of their loved ones and not for themselves. Yeah, I'm, he- I'm hearing a lot of things that go hand in hand with long-lasting survivor's guilt, right? So it's normal and expected and very common to have survivor's guilt. Um, and we really need to find healthy ways to live with it and to process it and to accept it and to find a new relationship around it. And it sounds like um, they've they've not been able to do that. And so I would really um, suggest reaching out for some from support and some help in uh, working through that because um, yeah, my heart feels very heavy and very sad for this person valuing somebody else's life and what it could have been because they had all of these things that you do not um, is dismissive of your own life, right? And so it's really important that we can have that self-love and find, find our purpose and make meaning out of why we're here and find hope and reasons to, to live, because we are alive um so i really i really my heart goes out to this person and really hope that they listen to this podcast and hear all the beautiful things that have been shared here and can start um finding some support and being acknowledged and processing and finding coping practices and finding meaning in in their life I guess for me, I no shame in saying that I am in therapy. Therapy has been instrumental in getting through this. Um, and, um, you know, I shared the whole um, relapse um, earlier this year. Um, it was a pretty bad relapse and didn't think I was going to make it, but here I am. Um, did not think I would make it to summer, but here I am. Um, And so we've been talking a lot about um, values and um, doing some acceptance and commitment therapy type stuff, Um, really focusing and, um, you know, leaning into what exactly are my values. And I I think it can be overwhelming to even like when I when she first asked me that, I'm like, I'm just living. I'm just here. I'm just vibing. I don't know. I truly don't know. But when you really examine it, um, you know, there are things that I can say that I value and, um, you know, live by. Um, so I would really encourage this person um, to maybe look into some value work um, and see, um, you know, what she can be doing for herself because she deserves um to be alive for herself you know yeah i think um that last part that the submitter mentioned like um having that purpose of making your loved ones sad like not making your loved ones sad 
I think that's definitely a hard mindset to work through and for a lot of other cancer survivors and patients relate to that as well. Um, but yeah, I think like, yeah, definitely working through, like that's something that I also worked with my therapist, like finding those values in life, like I think future goals and then also like, um, like who do you value in your life? What do you want to give to them that they've been providing for you? I think hearing you say, Jillian, is um, both of you saying that by having this life review of what's important to me and what do I value and where do I find meaning is a helpful tool in finding purpose and wanting to live life. Because if we don't look at those things that we value that that are important to us, um, we can't really do anything with that, right? But when if you can say, well, my relationships are the most meaningful thing to me, or being of service to others is the most meaningful thing to me, or um, always learning and growing is meaningful to me, it doesn't matter what it is, but really being able to identify those things can help you um, move forward in doing something with that. Something that also helped me when I was like really down in the dumps was like when I was working with my therapist, I would like she would encourage me to think of like um, smaller things to look forward to in life. Like sometimes thinking like months, years, or even weeks in like the future was like super difficult. So like thinking, oh, um, I have a snack that I'm really looking forward to later today or maybe a week from now like I'm hanging out with my friends and I'm like looking forward to that um like finding value in like small things as well as large things yeah I think like anyone who's like struggling with survivor's guilt or grief right now like um knowing that like someone told me this when I was going through treatment like you're allowed to take up space in the world like it's okay if you're reliant on people more than you should be or you think like you shouldn't have a space at all but like you like have a space in the world and you are allowed to embody it and maybe you're in a t difficult position right now so if you feel like you're like stretching out and taking more space and you're allowed you are allowed i think we shared a lot of really good stuff here um you know kind of maybe recapping that just acknowledging your feelings and that they're um, a normal and common response to surviving, um, that that guilt is is okay to feel. There's no shame in feeling that and being able to acknowledge it and express it and talk about it, um, that you can handle whatever it is that you're feeling with some coping skills and practices and support and reframing, um, self-care, self-love, self-acceptance is really key. Um, lack of judgment, lack of comparing is really key in, in helping the process. Um, and I, I think for this community, especially this osteosarcoma community and MIB community, there is a wealth of support um, and, you know, if you're hurting, if you're feeling isolated, if you're feeling unsupported in your family or your community, MIB 
has open arms and comfort and care and um, people who are here to share in the experience and to support you through the experience and provide resources, provide support groups. There's just so much uh, that MIB offers to their community. And so anybody who really is feeling alone, just reach out, take the first step. It's hard to do, but it's so worth it. Yeah, for sure. And I guess um, to wrap things up, I definitely second um, Lori reaching out, um, whether that be through organizations like MIB, um, incredible community we have, um, or your oncology team, um, social workers, et cetera. Um, because this is hard. This is hard. And um, you deserve to not be alone in this. Um, But yeah, I think that's our episode for today. Thank you all so much for tuning in to Osteo, the Osteosarcoma podcast. Be sure to follow MIB agents on social media at the links in the description for all the intel. Thank you so, so much to Jillian and Lori for joining us today. And until next time, that's the tea.